collision course for the national championship and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out of the way. Every single play, you're going to find a way to get it done. Play after play after play after play. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCoco. Welcome into the second of two new episodes from the Pink Seats Podcast. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, Vince LaCoco. We are extremely excited to keep things rolling here with off-season content, even though it's really not the off-season because spring, spring football is a big deal around here. That's a, that's a huge talking point, in, in my opinion, at least, uh, from a Louisville sports standpoint. But we've got a lot to talk about as we continue to roll along in spring football. Um, we've got recruiting, we've got spring football, NFL draft, all these things happening at one time. And of course, uh, if you're tuned into this, you probably just listened to the episode with Yasir and Xavier Abdullah, a fantastic episode. Can't thank those gentlemen enough for taking time to jump on with us. Our first father and son episode. I thought that was, that was cool. I don't know. I'm probably the only one that thought that that yeah. part of it was cool. You're the uh, only one that's a dad. You're yeah. You can tell in kid, moments yeah, like so. that. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, welcome into the show. How are we? I'm good considering we just survived the storm. We did. We're all yeah. alive. We're alive. We did. We're alive. We are. And we're joined tonight by a special guest, Grant Mulligan, uh, contributing writer of the state of Louisville, and now of like a part-time podcaster, dude. Look at this guy, man. He's, he's <laughs> like, his, his star is shining so bright. We can't handle it right now. Hey, Jacob, he's so grown up. I'm so I know, man. Look at him. <laughs> G hey. Brewer would be so proud of you, bro. Hey, hey, state of, I'm a state of Louisville man to the to the core, though. I love it, man. Well, I'm a company man. It's been quiet the last couple of weeks as we've kind of transitioned from off season into this like weird little like, you know, quick blurb on the radar of a a season in spring. Uh, But we're starting to now hear from you a little bit more as you crawl out of your recruiting cave with all of your analysis (laughs) and your your months of crunching numbers. It's like Mel Kuyper, bro. He comes out of like left corner. and uh, Here's a bunch of recruiting bombs. We got to nix the the Mel Kuyper comparisons, man. I got beef with Mel Kuyper. What's your beef with I'm, Mel Kiper, I'm not a fan. Man. I is think it because of the Will Levis analysis? Is that what it I comes have down this, to right I now? I don't – I got to be honest, and I'm sorry if this if this upsets some folks, but I don't find his evals to be accurate. I think he panders. And Todd McShay is better. I fully agree. You know who I really respect? Bucky Brooks from an mm-hmm. analysis perspective and Daniel Jeremiah. I like the the moving the sticks Jeremiah guys. Really good too. Yeah, I like I mean, both the, those guys. It, it's all those guys, and then you know, just a tiny little bit below them is Grant Mulligan. I mean, in my eyes, at least, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like I always said that Vince's game notes is the greatest segment yeah, in well. sports history. You know, Grant Mulligan is the the greatest recruiting writer and analysis uh, <laughs> analyst of all time, in my opinion. But it is just my record book. So Man, there's a reason just doesn't let this man leave his head till this day. I'm sure you <laughs> still get day. text messages and calls. Hundred percent. I saw him at the combine. I, I, I got the that. link up with I him at the that. combine. That was that was really nice. How many times did you all say "freak" in the quick, like little sixty second? In, immeasurable, both in, <laughs> in a in a literal sense of saying it, and then there's also the the psychological. Well, that's that all fantastic. they say. It's like their own language. So, like what you hear is "freak," and what they're saying is an actual conversation. Correct. Breaking, we're right. breaking down a wide receiver. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I bet there's a lot of people who can relate to this, but I've always joked with my wife that when her and her sister have a conversation, they speak a different language that I just can't quite understand. And at the end, they have had a full conversation, and I have no clue what was said. You know, it's just back and forth. And so I would imagine that you and Brewer are much like that, where we could listen and have no clue. Um, but it's great to see you. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, and tonight we're going to dive into those months and months of uh, crunching of numbers and recruiting analysis. Uh, before he came on, he had a full beard and a long hair, uh, looked very similar to Evan Almighty. Uh, but now he's <laughs> clean shaven and ready for television, ready for the for the live the live people to see him. So we're going to dive into all of that and and of course how it relates to to spring football, which is ongoing now, uh, which is what we're here to talk about tonight. Obviously, there's a lot going on. Um, around us as as a site and around uh, you know the the sports world for a gentleman like yourself, Matt McGavitt, covering baseball, the transfer portal, the women's basketball transfer portal, uh, the NBA with Donovan Mitchell just dropping forty regularly at this point every night. It, it, you're obviously working, right? You're you're out here grinding. But for us, it's been football, and we've been making it through the last couple of weeks with a lot of great episodes. Uh, a lot, a little bit of a look at spring, but tonight we're going to take a much closer look. And where I want to start, gentlemen, is starting with with Matt and and Vince as well in terms of practice. But Matt, I want to start with the media and your experience with a new head coach, new media availability, just different energy. I would imagine in in interviewing a guy like say a Steve Ellis compared to a Wes McGriff. I don't know, maybe they're similar, but just <laughs> tell me a little bit about what that has been like. And then tell me if there's anything interesting that has been said that's stood out in terms of what the coaches believe or what they're trying to implement things along those lines. Well, you can just tell right off the bat that they're all really excited to be there. And I know that's probably not going to come off as a shock, but I mean, when you have a staff that has nine newcomers on amongst the position assistants, Obviously, there's a lot of newness there, but like every guy that we've talked to so far, and I think we've talked to five or six position assistants at this point, but like they all seem to be really excited to be there. And partially that's because uh, the last I checked, only one or two, maybe three of the position assistants under Brom staff have no prior ties to either the city of Louisville or the University of Louisville. Like over half of these guys have either played, coached, or grew up in the city of Louisville. So this is. This is a staff with a ton of connections to the university, a ton of connections to the to the community, to the city, and you can see, and that exudes like in, in in the way that they speak that you can tell that they are genuinely excited and happy to be there and be coaching these guys up. I've heard Jeff Brom use the adjective good a lot. I feel like that's kind of his go-to word is good. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the others. He's He's got very basic bo- vocabulary when it comes to coach speak. He's not trying to fluff it up with, you know, word salads. It's good. It's great. It's got to be better. It's the Bill Belichick approach essentially to media. Um, and I find it funny to be quite honest with you, but Matt, have have you gotten any form of opinion that you can share as to whether spring football has gone I don't want to, well, every coach is going to say it's gone fine, but how would you kind of give your opinion as to where they are in terms of getting adjusted to the new way of doing things? Like, do you feel like Louisville's ahead of schedule? Do you feel like they're, you know, where they should be? Or do you feel like there's a sense of maybe we need to kind of pick it up here? I feel like they're either really at or just slightly ahead of schedule because Jeff Brom, like he didn't, Holy punches. He said that he's throwing as much of the scheme at the entire team 
as they can handle right now. And talking to the handful of players that we have, they've all almost almost all of them have said, yeah, like the the adjustment to the scheme is, is going well. Yeah, there's going to be some some learning curves, some bumps in the road, but yeah, it's going well so far. We like it. And then there's Brom. The couple times we talked to him, he said, "Yeah, there are some days that are really good, and some days that are uh, very much not good." So it's it's been kind of a mixed bag in terms of the execution part on it. But it seems like the retention, because Brom has mentioned this a couple in both times that we talked to him, that the the key to you know transitioning to this is just the quick recall and the retention of it. And it seems like that part of it is at least going moderately well, which is all you really need. All, all you would really want at this part of the offseason. Vince, talk a little bit about they're more than halfway through spring football. What is and you were there for the Petrino side of things. So it's a little bit more in line probably with what we're seeing just from a preparation spring game in general versus the Satterfield approach, which was just it's essentially just a month or two of practice and there's no really hoopla around it, but where, where is the team kind of at right now in terms of how they're transitioning from practice to preparing for that game in, in particular, do you start to kind of um, a couple of weeks ahead, divvy up rosters or get an idea of who the coach is going to be of your team? How does that kind of look on the inside of prepping for an actual spring game? Well, I mean, prepping for an actual spring game, you know, is more just a game prep for, you know, teaching you how a Saturday is going to be in the fall. You go through your regular, you know, pregame stuff and uh, your stretches, your routine, your meetings, and uh, go about your warm-ups. This is where we're going to be. This is, you know, how we're going to do things. And then you kind of do your just normal scrimmage for the fans and everything. Uh, the main, like, differences that I've noticed just between the Petrino and Satterfield stuff is uh, the tempo of the practice. It seems like everything's a lot uh, – a lot faster with uh, what Coach Brom's doing, a lot faster and more efficient at least. Spring practice is, you know, for the players, I'd imagine it's fun to get out there and to play football. But also, I mean, it's just, is, it, is it in terms of intensity, it's not it's not fall camp, but it's probably no. not sh- not too far off of what that no, looks not like. Not at all. I mean, like, and in, in it's even more ramped up in a way because, you know, like fall camp, you're going into the season. You know, you start to wind down and, you know, there's a turn down period and you don't really want to bang with the guys too much and, you know, not as much contact and stuff. It's where a spring ball, it's just, you know, it's it's spring ball. As we like to say, Grant, like every day is a Tuesday practice, right? Like every single day. A Tuesday in the football world is your hardest day. That's your full equipment day. So every day is a Tuesday. And, uh, you know, it's honestly, man, as a player, like, spring ball is not fun. <laughs> It's it's football and like you're getting better definitely, but I mean it's hard as shit and you're not preparing for an opponent, you know. And that was always like the kicker, the ass kicker. Yeah, you're getting better, your repetition and everything, but you're not. There's no Florida State or Clemson or somebody that you're getting ready for that Saturday. You're just hitting your hitting your buddies and stuff, and it builds team chemistry and stuff like that for sure because you gain respect out of your teammates and everything. Uh, but you sure do wish, you know, you're you definitely want to be hitting somebody else by the end of spring ball. See, and that's where I think that whole process could be improved with the FCS games and finding a way of working in a two week mini little flight of games. I know that's not the most attractive for well, a lot you're of ta- universities. You're talking but- to a guy that got hurt in spring ball t- like twice, too. 
Like, <laughs> so you probably got some, uh, you know, a little bit of of hatred towards spring ball, yeah, man. more like, so than I, every player. You're like, yeah, you know, fuck spring that. ball, man. Yeah, we play much. football in the fall. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just can totally see that being some Can't kind of rant to the at a on a Friday night. Vincent Lacoco going off about the man. no need for spring ball. First no, spring ball twice. <laughs> Grant, I want to come to you here in a second to tie in recruiting and how, in your experience, if if you did kind of go through any big experiences with spring and recruiting how that kind of plays in here but Matt I want to come back to you real quick in terms of being with the coaches listening to them listening to the players and I'm sure you know you see trends of what players are available and start to get an idea as to what the coaches are thinking in some form of way but it's it's tough to know without being there in every moment every day but are there any true kind of standout players at this point any guys that you feel like enough coaches have highlighted on to where you could say they are having a very good spring on offense that would probably kind of be split between wide receivers Jamari Thrash and Kevin Coleman uh, since Jaden Thompson is out for spring Coleman's kind of slid in like a lot with the ones and he's looks pretty good he's been all over the place he's been in the boundary he's been in the slot he's been taking reps at kick returner like his his versatility I, I wouldn't be shocked if Louisville used him in several different positions and several different areas by the time uh, the fall got around and then thrash I mean it's just exactly what we expect out of him he's got speed speed and more speed now, something that's been mildly concerning in the two in two of the three practices that I went to is that there were a lot of drops, but I'm not going to put too much stock into it because both of those practices, it was peaking at like 30, 40 mile per hour winds. It's been so. crazy windy around here lately. Like what is going on? What is going on? I was telling my wife this morning. I do not ever in my lifetime remember this many wind advisories this close together. I mean, then you're talking about like one a week for the last two months or something like that. What is yeah. happening? Yeah, so it's been kind of Mark Weinberg. Hard to where get are a, you at, man? We need some a book of revelation. That's what's happening. It's been kind of hard to get a true gauge on the passing game because, I mean, most balls that are like intermediate or deep balls are either dropped because the wind is stealing them or they're just grossly overthrown. But I mean, like you can't be like, oh, the quarterback sucks. Like, no, it's it feels like a mini tornado in here. Those two guys stand out on offense on defense. A couple guys come to mind there as well, but the first one definitely has to be MJ Griffin. I think almost every defensive coach that we talked to, especially uh, Steve Ellis and Ron English, both of them think uh, MJ Griffin has had a tremendous spring. They've both mentioned his leadership and just watching him out there. He, he certainly looks the part. He looked like the guy that we saw in the second half of the 2022 season. And another guy who hasn't been mentioned as much as MJ, but just me watching him play uh, play in spring ball and go through drills and go through 11-on-11s, I really do think that Jarvis Brownlee is going to be in line for like a really good 2023. Vince, what, what's He's that look the mad stamp. He's got the mad stamp of approval. Boom. Oh, goodness. Well, I mean. He loves that. He loves man-to-man, and as long as he just doesn't bite on stuff, you know, I think he'll be fine, really. He looks the most athletic the most fluid the most agile of all the defensive backs that i've seen in spring ball so far and he honestly he probably had the best sound bite of the entire spring ball because he all but said that the previous defensive staff had didn't have any clue what the fuck they were doing that's great that i mean 
I've got some questions about that, <laughs> I, but that, that's quite I, the taste, I, man. Hold on, let me. I got to pull up the exact quote because I mean, he. Yeah, we need to when do I, some, some when he when I say he here. didn't pull punches, he did not pull punches. I mean, yeah. he straight up said that the previous staff basically had no idea what they were doing. I feel he's talking about the current staff. I feel like they care more. They take their time, just teaching the young guys, man, just step by step. I don't think we really had that last year. I feel like we were in a rush trying to learn the defense and not just focusing on the main thing, which is fundamentals, technique, and execution. I feel like we have a way better coaching staff that's more fundamental. That's an exact quote from Brownlee. (laughs) That's quite a quote, and it's pretty damning. But at the same time, I mean, you had other guys that thrived and found their roles and and did their thing. So, you know, you kind of have to question some of that of what's coaching versus what's performance because – Brian Brown isn't telling Jarvis Brownlee to, you know, stop short to try to jump a pass or jump a route and completely get cooked over the top. I mean, some of that is coaching, yes, but some of that is, you know, being willing to risk it for the biscuit in in some form or fashion, which is what he did a lot of the times. Um, But I'm excited about it. Let's go back, Grant, to you, and let's talk about recruiting. Your experience working with the Louisville football recruiting staff and spring football. How did they use recruiting as a tool? How was what was their strategy um, from a visits and getting players here? Did they want people to come and watch practice? Kind of how does that how did that go versus what you've seen in reports of how Jeff Brom is bringing in recruits and how they're using spring this year to kind of sell Louisville to this new crop of talent that is obviously significantly higher in its uh, evaluation and ratings early on compared to what we've been used to seeing. Right. So in the past, and, and this is the, that way for a lot of schools is that the spring is a really big visit weekend time, whether you're going for, to try to get groups to come in. Most of the time it's groups because a lot of the times you'll have your junior days and and stuff of that nature is where you want to get the exposure of your program to a very high level. Uh, Whether it's guys that you are directly interested in and guys you're trying to recruit or if it's kids who are at uh, schools that tend to produce a lot of talent, you need to get like now is the time to up your visibility while you can focus on recruiting because once it gets into the season, it gets a lot harder to, to make that kind of a priority because you're between game planning and you, you don't have the same kind of time or mental energy to bring that quantity of kids up. So this is really the time to increase and maximize visibility of your program. The practice part is a great way to show off to kids what your X's and O's look like uh, in person. Um, I'm not sure how, how this staff handles that in recruiting, but I know that since some of the, the open practices, we would you know, have kids be there for a team portion or, or something that would be, um, I guess, appealing to the recruits just for them to get a small sample of the offense or the defense um, and, and get to be out there, the excitement of the team and, and see that kind of thing, kind of gauge the energy. But it's, it's a lot about getting these visits in now because kids are now going to start entering the, the summer and decision timelines are coming up. So it's very important to try to get kids take as many visits to your campus as possible right now so that they can see it up close and in person and get that hype rolling so you can carry it into the summer and you can really have a, a good foundation set by the fall. I, f- I feel like a lot of people, if, if you're like me or if you're like the average fan in terms of following recruiting, 
the the class of 2023, for example, in this in this scenario, fans have now seen it through signing the early signing period into National Signing Day, the transfer portal window number one, essentially opening and closing. And I still feel like most fans haven't really turned the page to 2024 outside of obviously, which we'll get into here after we get to a break, the commitments of, of Isaac Brown and, and TJ Capers. And then of course the new edition, which we'll, again, we'll get to here momentarily. So hang on. Uh, but overall fans haven't quite turned that page yet. What are the kind of key timelines and dates that fans need to be watching for grant with this new class, this junior class in terms of, you talked about that commitment window in the summer, what does that look like and, and how the recruiting calendar is going to start to play out over the next few months? So this is really a good time to start to get a gauge on how this staff is going to want to do things because you can, you can tell a lot about the strategy of a team from when most of their commitments come. Uh, a lot of staffs want those June and July commitments because you can take or the 24 class can begin taking official visits during that time. And so you want to get in your guys and and really try to, to lock them down before the season starts. Um, so you can go in with as many holes or as many roster spots filled within your class before you get into the season. So I think for a lot of programs and recruiting season in general really heats up in, in June and July and even, even starting in May, because that's really where you see a lot of these visits start to take off um, aside from the, uh, the dead period in July, but there's a, a lot of, a lot of visits that are going to be taken during this time. And once visits start rolling, commits start dropping. You want to know why Grant and I work so well together? Why is that? I didn't know any of those dates. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to have a, a person like Grant in your life that is good with dates and times and calendars and being able to keep that information handy at the top of one's brain. Uh, I think we could all use more people like that in our lives because we would be in, on track, man, right there. That was that was brilliant. Um, overall, spring football. You know, I, I haven't gotten, unfortunately, out to practice um, over the last couple of weeks, which shame on me. I know it's it's very <laughs> un unfortunate that I did not get to go out there. I should have had Keith give me a ride, man. He's right across the street. He doesn't even ask. Is that a – should I be concerned that Keith doesn't ask me to go to practice? Is, should no, I be concerned? Just shoot him a text and say, hey, Keith, you want to ride to practice together? <laughs> Let me just I mean, ride with you. <laughs> there's multiple open practices. You know, Keith could drive one. You could drive the other. I could. I could. You he know, hasn't asked me. I mean, so there's just, one on friday jacob that's that's potentially the one that i could get out to i mean look uh they have been like middle of the day late day on like a random wednesday which is fine for most people but for for you know the working folk it, it is it is hard i'm not gonna make excuses football is a game of no excuses uh but i just made a couple and it's not clearly landing uh, here so um no. no but but here's what i will be at uh, i will be on friday april 21st i will be at the spring football game i will be consuming beers i I will be hopefully hanging out with at least two of the gentlemen on this call. Matt, no chance I'm seeing him. Maybe beforehand in a tailgate situation, Matt will come by and have a beer and say hello. But during the game, it'll be me and Vince, probably Presley. Uh, and that's and Grant, hopefully you'll be there and we could we can have our first interaction at a football game and you can see uh, how how we get down at football games. Uh, specifically, <laughs> Vince will tell you uh, I, there's a yeah. different. I have like I an alter ego at down. football. I've got an Whoa, alter ego hey. at football. Games. <laughs> Jacob's the one over here who got lost in Cardinal Stadium. Man. I did get lost oh. in Cardinal Stadium. Not, not a fine, not a finer moment for me. But Bad. look, sometimes the beer on the party deck 
it's just a little too good. And, and you find Rookie. yourself in a, in, a, in a section that's not yours trying to find the people you are with. But no, spring game, April 21st, it, it's going to be, I would imagine, a, a ruckus crowd, a great environment. Everyone really kind of uh, all coming back together. You're going to see people who haven't been to a game since 2017. And they're, you know, sitting in their seats and talking about how they've missed football so much, even though there has been plenty of years of football played in lots of big moments, including last yeah. year. Beating I wonder, how many, people, team. I wonder but, how many people boycotted, how many people were going to right. be like, so oh, it's like I'm this, so proud I sat it out until the Brahms got here. <laughs> it's going to be this sort of like – prodigal son moment of all these fans coming home to celebrate Jeff Brom and Brian Brom and Chris Barclay and Garrick McGee and all of the, the greats of Louisville past um, as they come back in for this, this random scrimmage in the middle of April, but it should be a great time. And, and what I want to end on here is talking about just personally, the guys that we're most excited to see. And I don't have this in the show, in the show sheet. So we might have to kind of scramble here and I can lead us off, but I, for me, like going to the game, every game you're excited about, you know, I want to see this versus this, or I want to see how this plays out in a game fashion. And for me, obviously, it's really exciting to see all these receivers and all these new pieces. Uh, but we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I am most excited personally to see the way that they implement Jawar Jordan into the offense this season. I think that for me is the most fascinating thing because Grant, I don't know if you listened to the episode we did talking about the offense a couple of weeks ago, but we essentially talked about how Jeff Brown potentially might've inherited one of the most talented running backs he's had. Like he's going to walk in here with a backfield uh, kind of headlined by Jawar as potentially more dangerous you know, more versatile, more dynamic than any he's had. And what can that mean to an offense that we know should theoretically be a high powered passing offense, right? There's the potential that this is a, if it's at its finest and they can get it to a position of being the well-oiled machine, this offense, considering what they have at offensive line, returning those key starters, there are pieces to work in, but then talking about the quarterback, the speed and production at receiver, and then the running backs, there's the potential to get to an offense that's scoring 35 points a game. I don't think that's out, outrageous to say, and that's a game changer for Louisville. But for me personally, the running game is going to really be what hinges, kind of determines if that's the case. If they can't run the football, they're going to be high-powered offensively, but they're going to struggle in short-yarded situations. They're going to struggle in terms of keeping themselves on the field. It's going to be... Uh, boom or bust offensively. So for me, guys, Jawar Jordan is the number one guy I'm watching in the spring game. I can't wait to see what he does. I think he's going to walk out of there with one of those stat lines that's like 175 yards rushing, three touchdowns, a receiving touchdown. And, you know, it's just like clearly they decided to feed the stud in this situation. I I agree with you. I, You know, Jawar is definitely going to be one of the guys to watch. And in particular, like what, what uh, Brian Brown said at uh, – that little uh, alumni event that we had where he was describing the offense as, you know, people like to say we're an air raid offense, but we don't like, we don't classify ourselves as that. We're not an air raid offense. You know, there are, you know, a multiple, you know, it's, it's a multiple facets of the game, multiple offense. You know, you're going to see a lot of some stuff from uh, Brian's time at the Packers, the 49ers uh, with Jeff, uh, you know, plays from all different, all their different stops, Petrino stuff, uh, and the thing I really liked, what you were talking about when talking about the run game is, yeah, they always seem to have like a lead blocker, be it a guard pulling or a fullback coming through the hole or, you know, somebody climbing up the second level. It seemed like there was always 
a guy getting to that second level uh, defender, which was cool. I'm also excited to see, you know, offensively how a returning guy like Amari Huggins Bruce fits into this offense, something that's more that fits, you know, his playing style a little bit more uh, defensively. I'm excited to see a guy like Popeye Williams, how he comes into uh, more of a full-time role. Xavier just, you know, in the previous episode, fans that are jumping over here listening to that just talked about Popeye Williams is the guy that he knows following last year is going to be ready to go. Yeah, and and Jermaine Lole as well. I mean, somebody who we've talked about for so long, uh, you know, finally seeing a practice picture of him, I was like, I'll be damned. This is like the third time I've seen him in a uniform. <laughs> I don't cool. even think I've seen him, but like, <laughs> you know, there are literally no pictures of him in a Louisville uniform. I think Jody, I think Jody or somebody posted one talking about him being the X factor. Matt, if uh, you get a picture of Lole at practice, the internet might break, my friend. I think that's your challenge the next time <laughs> to see if we can get an actual picture of Lole practicing. I mean, I could. Like the last time they were doing D line drills was like right next to the wall. So I could just whip up my phone and just like take a quick little picture. Hey, Dremaine. Wow. <laughs> but for me, that's I mean, that's what I'm excited for. I mean, obviously hanging out with you guys and drinking some beers. Can't wait for that part. That's the most important part. Grant, what do you think, man? Who's the guy offense or defensively that you're most excited for when when we get out there for some some under the lights football on a Friday night, man? Well, in, in natural Vince fashion, he has to steal my answer. And Amari Huggins Bruce. <laughs> that's real ones know that Amari Huggins Bruce is my guy. I can't wait to see him star in this offense. I am fully predicting Amari Huggins Bruce breakout season. I think he's going to be the number two in this offense. I, I don't think he's going to surpass Thrash. His talent is undeniable. But I cannot wait to see Amari Huggins Bruce in an offense that gets him the ball more than twice a game. <laughs> that that makes me that makes me very happy. And behind the line of scrimmage. And behind the line like of scrimmage. Of the, yeah. It's it'll truly be amazing to see an offensive coordinator that knows how to use a run after catch receiver. Um, so that should be great for Amari and his career. So in the sake of going for another answer, another guy who I'm <laughs> I'm guy. a big I'm a big stan of Jamari Johnson. I knew I knew that the freshman, <laughs> the the freak athlete from Inglewood, California. I feel like given the <laughs> that's a WWE uh, intro right there, Grant. <laughs> freak. He is a freak. And I mean, that's the only way to describe that athleticism and pass catching ability. Matt uh, certainly has another way to describe him. I mean, I don't know if we need to if we, no, we don't need to rehash that tonight, but for the nope. for our for not our weekly listeners, they know how Matt described Jamari Johnson a few weeks ago. Very weird. <laughs> All right, man. Sometimes you, you just watch somebody's game and it's special to you, and I That's get right. it. I mean, it happens, man. It gets so I'm, they don't I'm call ready. them freaks for nothing, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I am ready to All see right. somebody take that pass-catching tight end role. I mean, the, he seems to have the, the best skill set for that in the current tight end room that we have. I feel like he has the opportunity to separate himself early, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do in his freshman season. Matt, what do you think here, man? We'll get out of here, take a quick break. It's funny. Vince steals Grant's answer and Grant steals my answer. I, but I mean, seriously, though, the, the first practice that I saw Jamari and he looked damn near unstoppable. Now, of course, the next two he had, you know, quiet practices. He had freshman moments. But I mean, like that's going to happen when you have like, like a guy who is an enrol- early enrollee. I mean, he's not going to have a complete grasp of the offense right, right out of the gates. But I mean, he there's no one else on this 
offense who I think is going to be like the dominant pass catching tight end because all the other tight ends on the roster right now are tailor made to the Satterfield scheme. That's just block, block, and block some more. So I think Jamari is going to. I mean, I said it on the last episode I was on. I think Johnson's probably going to be the starting tight end at some point at the season. Now it might be later in the season, but I think it's going to happen at some point. Who do you all think is going to be that other tight end? The yeah. tight end, then. But I think in terms of if you're talking about looking at role and knowing what Louisville knowing Jamari will play one role in that it's Des Melton or bust in terms of who else could be a pass catching tight end. I, I mean, think Francis Sherman. I'm, yeah, I'm going with Sherman. He's, he's looked the most consistent out of the not Jamari Johnson tight ends and the uh, J- Sherman. I've been Sherman to. fits a lot of. I mean, he's not the size by any means, but uh, a Keith Tobridge and a in a Petrino offense where he's he- definitely heavy on the blocking side. But if we need five to 10 on a hitch or an option route uh, to win against an inside linebacker or, you know, a bigger outside linebacker, I think we, I think he could get the job done. Yeah. That's one of those positions that w- is going to be really important to watch uh, after spring ball in terms of recruiting and seeing if they feel kind of, we'll get a good idea as to where they feel like their roster is and some of the spots where we've noted that there's probably a weakness there, maybe a, a potential to add down the road. We'll get a good feel for what that looks like in terms of transfer portal. It, it, as we get through this next wave post spring football, some pretty good players in it that Louisville is going to be hot after. So that's going to definitely be something to watch. So real quick, let's step aside. We'll take a break for the show. Uh, do a little bit of advertising, but when we come back, we're going to dive into uh, what, this episode is all about and it's true nature and that's 2024 recruiting. We're going to find out who are the five guys we're watching in terms of Grant Mulligan and that, that recruiting brain that is so large that the recording the G baby big board, it can't, it can't handle it, man. Uh, but we're going to come back and we're, we're going to dive into that and talk about what you need to watch for after spring football with recruiting, as I kind of just talked about there for a second, uh, so that we can keep you prepared as we roll into the, the off season and the dog days of summer for football. It, what you will have is LNM Eats, and you can find that on YouTube, State of Louisville on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, LNM Eats. Visit Shenanigans. The first episode will drop here in the next couple of days. We're really excited about that. We've got an- another couple of restaurants lined up. The guys are going to go check out here in the city uh, as they continue to try to find the best place to eat. That's obviously a big part of the community here. Rest in peace. I, I can't even start this conversation without saying rest in peace, Daddy Riches. My heart was shattered oh, that day. Dude. My heart was shattered. Find it out on Twitter through I you know. was like that I actually know. crushed me. Going there with Eric Wood's debit card and ordering <laughs> wings for the staff is probably like a highlight, not of my life, but just like of my time there at Louisville. Yeah. It's just, one of those moments where you just pinch yourself and you're like, "What am I doing? I'm getting food on <laughs> Eric Wood's debit card that probably yeah. has millions of dollars." <laughs> <laughs> All of that to say, LNM Eats. We are extremely excited to debut that, and I want to make sure that that the Louisville fan base supports those guys because. It's all about supporting those two and their journey here to be two of the pioneers of NIL with Louisville Athletics, quite frankly. The creating of content, the importance of that and what that means to the brand of an athlete and how they uh, find themselves as a freshman to guys like uh, Senior Malik last year on the Planet Fitness billboards and being a part of a a very real advertising campaign we're just excited to play a small role in helping these guys go try some food i mean quite honestly that's the best part of it so be sure to subscribe to the show state of louisville youtube channel and follow lm underscore eats on twitter we'll be right back 
All right, and we are back here on From the Pink Seeds podcast. Subscribe to the show anywhere that you get your podcast from. Check us out on YouTube. State of Louisville is where you can find all of our shows across the State of Louisville podcast network. And we do this show in partnership with our good friend here, Matthew McGavick in the UofL Report. Be sure to check out uh, Matt's site. All you literally have to do is just go to the internet and Google like Louisville football. And that'll be the first <laughs> thing that pops up is Matt's site. Uh, but be sure to check out all of his hard work because like I mentioned at this, the top of the show right now, you have spring football, you have baseball, you have transfer portal women's basketball, transfer portal men's basketball. You have all kinds of other sports happening. Matt drove to a press conference in the middle of a tornado warning, which I would advise you in never my do defense, that again. the tornado warning didn't start until after I had left the house. I think that that's <laughs> that's unfair. That's that's what one person says. Well, I, need, I need my underwater basket weaving article ready tomorrow, Matt. That's right. ASAP. Get to work, Matt. You McGavick, because nobody cares. Work harder around here. Press conference yeah, was canceled, right. so that was more chances for you to tell me every player. Yeah, got canceled because there was a freaking tornado going. I still on think at the it. Same time. I, and, in my fairness, Grant, does anything ever shut down in the football office ever? I mean, we'll have no. a blizzard, tornado, and they're like, "Oh yeah, figure it out." Lift times at six thirty. Well, hey, look. Absolutely. I mean, the south end of town tonight really hit hard with some of those storms. I saw some pictures right before we hopped on here, scary situation. And that's not far from the football stadium, but they probably were working through some concepts tonight. You, you no doubt about it. They're in there watching tape might be the Vincent Lacoco huddle tape, but they're in there watching tape, having the time of their lives while the storm is passing by. We're in they're the like, bathroom back been? here. Yeah. Been? <laughs> this is the fullback we need. So I'm out <laughs> hey, back here in Oldham County tucked into, you know, we're in the bathtub trying to just football can't be turned off. I said, essentially is what I'm saying. Right. Can you gentlemen agree? You football guys, football can't be turned off. It is a oh, way yeah. of life. You were watching March Madness. I was watching XFL. To get your football inch in tonight with Louisville football, I think for those who are starting to kind of look at recruiting and players to know, obviously there's been some big recruitment news already with TJ Capers and Isaac Brown, but Grant Mulligan, let's talk about Matt McGavick. Let's talk about Deuce Adams, Louisville's newest commitment, quarterback three-star out of Texas. Louisville holds off Baylor and Matt's favorite program outside of the Wildcats of Kentucky, Boston College to secure <laughs> the commitment of Deuce Adams. I know. Yeah. But Louisville, uh, here's the thing I want to, he is not uh, one of the kind of players in terms of ranking that uh, compares to say a Pierce Clarkson. He's in the back half of the top 1000 players in the country. I think he's like 861st or something like that. 817. Um, okay. So I wasn't too far off, but he, he does have a lot of potential. And so Grant and Matt, I want to give you each some time here to give your analysis of uh, one Deuce Adams and what Louisville fans can expect. Rock, paper, scissors for who goes first. Grant already has his. Okay. All right. Grant, Grant, so. Grant goes, Cave, Grant wins. Soft, know, Matt, didn't, Matt didn't even go into <laughs> competition. Where's Matt your competitive spirit? Scared uh, okay, like, bet. Grant, Let's go ahead. Go. No, it's too late, Matt. I'm taking the space. She folded. Anyways, Deuce Adams, uh, a player that I – Actually, I'm a pretty big fan of, and I think that ranking will change in short order if he has anything close to the, the senior season as he did in the junior season. He was incredibly efficient. One of the things that I think is best about his game is his touch and deep accuracy that he has already at this stage in his career. He's able to hit all three levels of the field with good rhythm and good timing and throw a really catchable ball to all three levels. He doesn't throw many interceptions. He's careful with it. He has seven career interceptions to this point through six his junior year, one his sophomore year, had less reps. But he's a, a real point guard type 
passer at the quarterback position. He's a distributor. He's not a Pierce Clarkson style athlete. He has enough athleticism to escape the pocket, elongate a play, but he's not that same kind of true running threat. Um, he has some, this will come with experience. He has some, some mental cleanups. I think he gets a little too jittery in the pocket. He drifts too much. And when he does that, the velocity from his passes die off. I think he throws off platform more than he should. And it's just not doing him any favors, but he's very crafty. He's very creative. He's the kind of guy who's perfect for this style of offense. And I, I absolutely see why he became the guy targeted by Brum. And as I said, in the beginning, I firmly believe that if he sees the kind of jump that he did from sophomore to junior, from junior to senior, he will absolutely outgrow that 817 ranking. Watching the film a couple times now, and even like a third time, because Vince and I were like watching his huddle right before this episode started. Yep, I did force I got a great picture of that, by the way. That was a real bonding (laughs) moment for you gentlemen. I was watching that as I was getting ready to sit down. Like, look at these guys just breaking down film together. This is a true football podcast. I just love it. Well, we were like, I wish we had the uh, Dan Arlovsky, like, draw, yeah, touch screen, draw circles and stuff. We're like, man, the content we can do with that. So, uh, AWLs, anybody want to go ahead and donate? Let's get a Kickstarter going. Anyways, I think he's got a really good base frame to kind of mold with heading into his senior season and then eventually heading into his true freshman campaign. And as Vince can attest to this, because we were obviously watching some of his film before, his, his fundamentals are kind of all over the place right now but i mean that's something that can be easily coached up and uh, going to what um what grant said uh his, his accuracy is fantastic i mean he routinely puts balls to where only his receiver can high point it and it, it's not to the point where you think there's the throw is like a touch overthrown or offline he's he's very decisive in the throws when he actually makes them the decision-making part is mostly good. There's a couple, like watching his films, his, there's a couple throws in there where I think mean, there was one, well, I was watching with Vince that his receiver just got straight up killed over the middle. Oh, yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Hospital ball. And, and then there were a couple other plays mixed in when I was in the middle of writing my breakdown where I, where I was couldn't help but think that if this was, you know, college coverage, that might get picked off. But again, like it's something that coaching can kind of clean up. And he's got enough base physical tools to where he can use that to extend plays. And I think once he adds uh, weight and strength to his frame, because he's got a pretty lanky frame at 6'2", 175. But, I mean, he's already fairly athletic right now. He just has – you can tell that he has another gear that he's yet to unlock yet that will eventually come with – added weight added strength added repetition experience all that good stuff um but i think he's got a a really high ceiling it's going to take a little bit of work with the coaching staff and on his behalf which is getting there but i'm with grant like he's someone who i think by the end of this this cycle he's someone that could be a really high three star maybe knocking on the door of a low four star if he is able to make that jump from sophomore senior because he went from his sophomore season where he was splitting reps with another quarterback had like a thousand yards 13 touchdowns and an interception completing only 50 percent of his passes and then jumps up to junior year completed a touch over 
uh, 66% of his passes throwing for 30 plus touchdowns and six picks and over 3000 yards. That's a huge jump. If he's able to continue to go on this path, this upward trajectory, I think he's in line for a really good senior season. It's a very, very uh, positive start for Louisville in the recruiting stages for 2024, talking about having three commitments so far from a edge rusher, a running back, and a quarterback. In terms of building out your football roster, really the only thing you're missing there is an offensive lineman, and, and you're really, really moving now in terms of building out the ideal football team. Uh, but Louisville sits right now at 42 overall in the class of 2024, and that is with just three commitments. That's a five-star who's ranked 25th in the country, a four-star running back, and then a three-star quarterback. Uh, I and think they're gonna... on three had them in the top 15 when I checked earlier. It's hard for me to sit here and agree with you, and I just called them off three literally like four minutes before we started this <laughs> podcast talking <laughs> to somebody else. But yeah. that's great. I love to see it. It's very rare that they give Louisville any type of credit. Jeff Brom, the ninth best ACC coach, is laughable, laughable. And I wasn't so the biggest. Mario Cristobal. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't the biggest Jeff Brom fan in the world, but you would, man, you would have to really convince me in a lot of ways that it would be eight coaches better than him in the conference. Um, but overall, Louisville's recruiting since it's a great spot. And so that brings us to the most important part of the show where our star shines. And I mentioned he's shining. I mean, the, the light around him was so strong today that it, that it burnt out his power. I mean, it got to that <laughs> level of stardom today. But now is the time where we look at who Louisville uh, is recruiting that you need to know. And at this point, we've got five names. We've asked Grant to bring the, the top five, and we will introduce here Grant Mulligan's officially non-official official big board. So, Grant, I will hand that over to you, my friend. Starting at number five, who are the five players that Louisville fans need to watch for in the class of 2024? Well, I kind of nerded out and brought 14 names to the table, but then I, I get in here to the meeting and, and Jacob says he only wants five of those. Yeah, we need so five. I guess I'll cut it down. <laughs> we got to look fine. for the sake of storms and everything that's happened. We got to, you know, we got to kind of reel you. it in today. Five, Absolutely. but you know, offline we can, we can digest the other nine. Grant, I would have been disappointed have. if you would have came with like any less than like 14 or 15. So I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. Yes, sir. All right. But to get into the top five here, um, number five is a kid that actually really surprised me on tape. Someone who I thought was going to be a kid that we recruited largely because of the program he came from. Uh, but when I turned the tape on, I was really impressed with his skill set. And that is one Mr. Jose Leon or Leon. He is a wide receiver from Christopher Columbus, much like our five-star commitment uh, TJ Capers and we're recruiting quite a few guys it's he's not even the the only one of the the guys who I had on my 14 but he's actually the only one that makes my top five uh, <laughs> Jose Leon is just on on paper you look at him at 247 he's a mid-level three star and it's between us and Wake Forest right now in his recruitment but turning on the tape he's a really smooth accelerator who has a lot of crispness in his routes natural hands pluck away from his frames you all know how much I love to nerd out about my wide receivers and he has a skill set that is actually going to be ready to play sooner rather than later he has a lot of really great mental skills where he can get in defenders blind spots he can he has 
quickness. And I came away very pleasantly surprised to see what his skill set already was. I think he's held back by a size and frame. He's uh, on, on the smaller end. He's, he's currently listed at 5'10", 160, which means in, in actuality he's probably around 5'9". But he has natural. Hey, whoa, hands. whoa, whoa! You're talking to a true six foot guy right here. <laughs> true six foot, you know. True, I know. I wish but... I could treat life like football and basketball players treat height on a roster. Like, I, yeah, I'm six three. <laughs> what do you mean? Who, who are you gonna? You gonna come over here and measure me without my shoes? Good luck. Wait until they get the, to the, the combine. And the one time you are measured, it's uh, yeah, but you're giving an inch. So yeah, it's bro, beautiful. you're five foot nine. You're clearly lying, man. No, I'm not. No, <laughs> I'm just mentioning all of us five foot somethings. Okay, five foot somethings is what Speak we deny ourselves. I know, Matt's up there wondering how the weather is down where we are. Man, six foot eight <laughs> giant over here that never played any sports. All right, Grant, go ahead. <laughs> and it's funny enough. Speaking of stature, my next Damn. two guys are on the are on the smaller end of things. But another guy who I came up very impressed with, another Florida native, Rod Ganey Jr. Running back position. He has crazy acceleration, pops off the screen. He averaged 9.6 yards per carry as a junior his last season. Extremely productive. One thing that I came away with that I think was a, a great and very underrated trait of his was his his vision and his decision making. Not only does he have the acceleration and speed to hit the hole and take off, but he is very quick to decide which hole he's going to burst through and when he's making decisions at that quick of a rate, he's very, very hard to bring down in the backfield. And once he gets past the the first level, he's very hard to catch at the next level. He's got a variety of moves to make you miss. He's tough. I think he goes out of bounds a little too often is my only knack on him, really. Are you calling him soft, Grant? Oh, oh. I'm not going to say soft. I'm not going to say soft. (laughs) But I personally feel like there's some – he could – he can get a couple more yards. No, I'm kidding. Than, That's a Frank Ponce joke. That is a Frank, Frank, Frank Ponce joke for everybody that listens. <laughs> yes, sir. But, but I Grant, really... my question for you, you mentioned the yes, nine, carry, nine, nine uh, yard average. Uh, had, watching his tape, is that like a true whole wide, wide ass open hole nine yards? Or is that, you know, breaking contact that might have broke through on a stunt from the D-line or a linebacker shooting through and – Basically, what I'm asking is how, how does he do off of the first contact? That's what I think. I'm going to trace back to his decisiveness. He's not going to lose yardage because he took too long to make a decision or because he was overly patient. When he sees daylight and because of his smaller compact frame, he's able to make the most out of those small crevices. And when he hits the hole, he is bursting through it i mean his his acceleration is zero to 60 type he's able to hit full speed uh, in only a few steps so uh, i wouldn't call him a power player he's definitely more of a finesse he's a one cut and go but when he finds the hole he moves often too fast for a defender to react because he's making his decision and going immediately and i was very impressed by his decisiveness on tape Number three, my favorite wide receiver that we are after, West Virginia native and now at IMG Florida, Tank Hawkins, Jeray Hawkins. It's a hell of a name, man. Let's stick with him. Need him on the roster. Need him on the roster. Grant, are we going to have nothing but wide receivers on this list? No, we are not. This is the last wide receiver. But I had had two out of my five. You can't. You can't take that. That's good numbers (laughs) for Grant. He's like, I need five, but I'll take two. That's fine. I'll take two of them. He's 
a lot in the mold of the kind of guy that we have in our roster right now, which is your smaller speed threats. Uh, he's 5'9", 165. So again, he's 5'8", 165. But his game is extremely smooth. His acceleration, his speed, it it looks effortless. Like almost like watching Jamar Chase when he runs. Obviously, he's smaller and his speed is different. But he moves with that same velvety effortlessness that I see when I when I watch him play. And it's yeah, there's no hangups in, in his feet. He's no wasted movement. He has speed at all three levels. He tracks the ball well down the field. He tracks it well and can extend and pluck at all three levels. He can turn screens into chunk plays. He can extend and pluck, make a catch over the middle. I like the way that despite he's a smaller receiver, he's not afraid to go up and get it. He's very competitive. There are times where they'll even give him a jump ball in the corner of the end zone and he'll go for it. Um, it's it's not often you can have a little speed guy like that for somebody to have natural hands and be able to pluck away from the frame at this stage. But I think he's far ahead in his development. And with those athletic traits, I think he could be a very early contributor. And I think he's going to be a star. About his route running, is he more of like uh, how Tutu is, you know, on the over routes where he's just sliding and almost gliding past somebody at the second level? Or would you compare him more to – uh, an Amari or a Dez, somebody that has a little bit uh, more of a crisper route running uh, repertoire, more tools in the toolbox, Grant. More tools in the toolbox. I would say he's somewhere in the middle. He's more refined than Tutu was at this point, but that's largely because Tutu had played quarterback his entire raising up until that point. But he's, I would say Leon is much more of a technician at this point than than Hawkins he relies more on his athletic traits but there is definitely clear signs that he there's intentionality in his routes he's doing things to be deceptive to a defender instead of just floating through it but I I wouldn't call him uh, uh an Amari or a, a Dez just yet but yeah I think he's he's closer to that than he was to uh, a drifter the most important two names that you're going to give here. Team. What do we got? Okay, Both of these are going to be difficult recruitments, but they've both been on campus recently. In fact, all five of these have been on campus recently. Number two, D'Angelo Barber. Linebacker. Actually, funny enough, these two guys are from the same school, from Clay Chalk. Chalkville, as is Caleb Johnson's alma mater. But number two is D'Angelo Barber, linebacker. He's six feet tall, um, 221 pounds. He is physical, aggressive. When he comes downhill, he's looking to take somebody's head off. And when you see a guy like that, you think purely box defender, especially at this level. Normally they're used as blitzers or just in the gap guys. But he has legitimate sideline to sideline range and speed. He's he will chase somebody down on a screen or on an outside zone concept. The only thing I think is a weakness of his game right now is he's a tick slow to diagnose, but his athleticism makes up for it. I think he's a fantastic athlete for the position. He doesn't have the greatest size profile, but he is extremely strong. He pops blockers. He knocks blockers back into the backfield. He engages his hands. He's good with his eyes. He's disciplined. He wraps up and he brings the pain. Uh, he has plenty of wow <laughs> moments on that on that highlight tape, whereas you feel bad for the other kid. <laughs> How about these offers right here? Alabama, Arkansas, Ar- uh, Auburn, um, 
uh, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas A&M. This is a SEC caliber kid right here. I mean, yes, he is. don't let the three-star rating fool you. I know he's not. If you go and look at his recruiting profile while you're listening to this, 50 fe- 55th best linebacker in the country. It doesn't scream ready to come in and make a, an instant impact. But uh, if you go back to a couple of uh, years ago, Matt, the episode we had where we – uh, talked recruiting with the uh, gentleman from uh, Sports Illustrated, whose name is escaping me. You probably John have. Thank you. Um, and he mentioned Penson, Alabama, the area where Caleb Johnson was from, a highly competitive football area in the country, some of the best players, some of the best uh, teams. So that's a- extremely exciting. And you're talking about a position right now, and, and we'll get into this maybe here in a few minutes, but the linebacker spot is an immediate need for the next couple of seasons for Louisville. Uh, so an exciting name there. And then finally, Grant, drum roll, the Number most important one. name on the uh, Grant Mulligan officially official, non-official, official All these guys board. are locks, by the way. They've all committed. Uh-oh. Grant has the inside information here, and he is saying they've all committed. No, uh... this is that's not the case. Disclaimer, this is not recruiting insight. This is not a recruiting board. Grant Mulligan, your number one player. This is another one from the same high school and another one that's going to be a very tough recruitment, but a player who I love off of nothing more than physical skill set is Jaquan McRoy. And I know that Vince is, is going to love that one. That is a six foot eight, 365 right tackle out of that's Clay Chalkville, Alabama. Yeah, he that's... is a physical specimen. We had him on campus. It's, it's pretty obvious to see the comparisons that will be drawn to Makai Becton because he's just a giant physical specimen. He, he needs to work on being able to bend better through the knees. And I would like to see more power come through his hands, but guys like that don't grow on trees and guys like that, with offer sheets like that don't come to campus every day either. So it's clear that he has something that's drawing him to, to the university and the program. And I think that's a, a commitment that would be absolutely gigantic. A tackle room that definitely needs a compliment to Luke Burgess, Luke Burgess taking over the left tackle spot, having a monster sized right tackle to go alongside him would create a mean offensive line for years to come. It, it's, it makes you excited to think about what could come of that physical potential. He moves very well for his size, I might add. He's doing pass sets. He's, he's getting better depth than you would expect, especially for a kid a that's a, I haven't seen it on tape, Coach, so I'm not positive, but I would love that's to Jacob's see That's Jacob's only requirement for a good right. offensive lineman. I'm looking at a photo of him now, and he's, he's, he's a big boy. But, like, something else, I'm, I'm looking at his recruiting profile now, his – his comp is Dewan Jones, that massive offensive tackle from Ohio State. He was about ready to go in the first round of the NFL draft. So, I mean, not a I'll, bad comp, man. I would, yeah, I would take I a guy know. like him. Absolutely. So, I, I feel that he pairs need with talent and attainability. Like I said, there's a long way to go in his recruitment. He will be a challenge because just as we know, guys like that don't grow on trees. So does the rest of the country and other large programs. But getting him on campus was step one. And if they can close the deal on that, he is a cornerstone for an offensive building piece and can really benefit the run and pass game like few others can. That, that was a position I was really excited to see how this staff was going to recruit coming from their conference and just the size difference of, you know, offensive linemen in their conference and I was like oh my gosh 
if we keep recruiting the same caliber of offensive linemen that they've been having, like we are going to truly be playing some bully ball with some of the teams that we run into in the ACC. I mean, it's just if if we did it with, I mean, I'm not saying our offensive line was small, but I mean, whenever we'd go up against Kentucky or Clemson, there'd be a clear size difference. And even Florida state at times, there'd be a clear size difference. Uh, but, you know, they'd be able to bully teams like uh, you know, Wake Forest or uh, Syracuse or something like that to where we can be able to bully every team. That would be really fun to see. Absolutely. I'll take the the pairing of offensive linemen. Anytime you can get guys that are six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot six on the outside, long arms, bendable, able to protect the edges. That's a that's a good sign, especially for a quarterback like a Deuce Adams who likes to be able to roll around a little bit. Get outside of that pocket and and sling a no looker. I, look, Vince, uh, the backflip is crucial, right? You got to be able to do the backflip. Uh, do you wear a cool number? Do you wear some kind of accessory that I find to be cool, like a you know a full cage mask and a sleeve, you know something like that? Man. Can you throw a sidearm no looker? That's for me. Like that's boom, top of the list of a quarterback. Got to throw that no look sidearm pass. You got to be able to just throw that thing in there. And, and Deuce, Deuce Adams seems like he could be, like, the quarterback that could do, like, a no-look pass. Seems like he's into, like, just watching his film, he looks like he's a quarterback who's into, like, stuff like that. He's watching his drop back. It's, you know, very Mahomes, Jay Cutler-esque, where it's, like, a straight, you know, almost like a back pedal of, like, three steps and uh, not much, like, turning and stepping and pointing, you know, throwing the out route, uh he seems like a fun project for Brian Brom and Jeff. Like, you know, one of those ones where, you know, this could be the dude if we coach him the right way and in the right direction, just mm -hmm. as Matt and I were talking about, you know, nerding out over film, like the angles with which he throws some of these passes, uh, him being a baseball player, it's, you know, it's different slots and different release points and uh, different angles to get the ball into what was Grant, what Grant was saying, putting it in, you know, very catchable positions. So I, you know, the sky's the limit for that kid. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him, you know, as a three-star commit. And I'm also excited for the two other guys that, and, you know, I'm excited for Pierce, Caleb, Evan Conley, all the other guys we have on roster now. I think it's going to be a fun year with the quarterback room, to be honest with you. It really is. And, you know, as much as Pierce Clarkson come in, comes in as the guy, like Jeff Brom also can plead no allegiance to him at the end of this season and say, like, I can go out and get my own, you know, guy. And well, we I can mean, see what that looks like. I'm just saying it's a lot like college NFL coaches when they come in and they want their guy at quarterback. Pierce Clarkson is a guy you no-brainer you take in. But at the same time, if it doesn't work out in year one, Jeff Brom can go right back to the drawing board in year two and find a guy who much more – uh, fits what he's trying to do, which some question whether Pierce Clarkson fits that. I think it's going to be a great partnership that's going to work out and really evolve Jeff Brom's offense. But at the same time, it's a year-by-year -year analysis of the quarterback position. Let's not get it twisted as to guys come in all the time as the star players and the next year they're recruited over or somebody else comes in and is able to win a job. So it's a very fluid situation, but it's exciting because you have Jack Plummer this year. You've got Pierce Clarkson, Caleb Johnson. You have vets in Evan Conley and, and Brock Doman. And then beyond that, it's really just about what kind of talent they – um, identify and pursue and what they look for in terms of, is it the portal? Is it high school recruits? We, we still have a lot of learning to do about Jeff Brom's recruiting. So I'm really excited about that. One thing to note, 
uh, for the 2024 class, uh, the local recruiting scene is always a topic of discussion. Um, and based on the 247 sports rankings of the state right now in the class of 2024, Kentucky holds two commitments from two of the top three players and very well soon could be the top three players in the state. So Kentucky already very active. Louisville, by my count, has not offered a player yet in the state of Kentucky. I mean, if I've said it once, I've said it again. I've actually got and, and I've even gone on a rant on this podcast before on this very subject. Yeah, Louisville gets some of the top guys in the city, but like Kentucky can have the Kentucky kids. Yeah, I, I want Louisville to recruit South Florida. I want Louisville to recruit SoCal. I want Louisville to recruit Georgia. I want Louisville to recruit Texas. I want Louisville to recruit the recruiting hotbeds that actually fucking produce football players. Not saying that Kentucky doesn't produce them because they do no, but have like a, a couple guys every sometimes. once in a while. Thank but you, let's Ryan. not bullshit ourselves. That's get right. the ones and you're supposed to get, which is maybe three guys per class, so, and then move on. But it is interesting from a, a narrative standpoint to just see who might develop into a player in state that you want to see, uh, you know, uh, because of course the point being Matt and Vince and, and grant any player that lives in this city, unless his desire is to leave this city, which is very fair. And so if a recruit here simply wants to go play football somewhere else in another, in another state or city, good for them. But those who are interested in staying home, there is no reason that a kid within the zip codes of which we live in this city to go play anywhere else especially down the road on 64. That's Grant Mulligan's officially non-official official big board for the 2024 class. It's fluid. That will change over the next couple of weeks and months. And there are some recruitments in there where you're competing with the Alabamas and Arkansas and Auburns of the world. And if those don't go Louisville's way, that's by no means an indictment on what the recruiting prowess is. It's simply the fact that SEC is going to SEC. Uh, but for Jeff Brom, it's about doing what Charlie Strong did. It's about doing what Bobby Petrino did. It's doing uh, to highlight what Satterfield did, and that's finding the the kids that you need to win that fit your system, regardless of ranking, and developing them. At the end of the day, that's what this program does. That's what it has always done, and it will always do at its highest form, is bringing kids in who need developing and are there but aren't quite ready for some of those big programs. So you land at TJ Capers, you're swimming in, in some very, very nice infested waters with some big sharks I'll, I'll swim in those waters you know get me some gear and i'll be ready to rock and roll but uh, it definitely is going to be some losses in there let's just cool, let's just be quite honest there's going to be some losses to the alabamas and the auburns but i'll take it man i mean it's not can't get them all yeah you can't get them all that's right unless grant mulligan is your primary recruiter I over the next couple of weeks uh, we're going to get prepared for the NFL draft. I don't, I should have the date in front of me. I say all of that to say, oh, I don't have the date. It's coming. I got now. the date. It's April 27th, 28th and 29th. That's See, right. Everybody needs a grant. Everybody That's, needs, a grant. everybody <laughs> needs a grant. That's the name of this episode. If there, if there is, if there is ever a date in a year, I know it is the days of the NFL draft. The NFL draft coming up. Louisville is expected to have a couple of guys drafted, uh, several of which have recently been on this show. We're going to be covering that leading up to the draft. Of course, we got spring football coming up Friday, April 21st is the spring game. We will treat that game like a game week. Just right. like the guys, we have to get ready too. Everybody right, has baby. to practice. I mean, <laughs> you should see us. We're out we're out here running drills. Vince has got us, you know, doing uh, la 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 in the microphone <laughs> like it is it is truly yeah, spring Grant, practice. I got him out there <laughs> and everything. Grant, I mean, 
Taylor doesn't know what's going on in Jacob's house. He just keeps waiting everything. We are getting prepared for spring, and uh, we will have you covered all the way through that, unlike uh, anybody else around the city in terms of getting excited about some practice. That's what we're here to do, baby. Football all the time, 24-7. And speaking of football all the time, 24-7, as we transition out of spring football into the long parts of summer, we will still have you covered as we have over the last several seasons. I'm not going to give you the details tonight. You're not going to get them. In a couple of weeks, you'll get them, but not tonight. But we've got an exciting mini series coming up that we're really pumped about this offseason that will bring guests to the show, um, some big-name guests that I'm really excited about, some blasts from the past. It is going to be a lot of fun. It probably will be, honestly, some of the most fun episodes we've ever done because we're going to touch a lot of eras of Louisville football. We are really excited this offseason. We've been really working hard on what we want to do to to keep the content rolling with Louisville football because, like I mentioned, it's a lifestyle. Uh, it is not it is not something that you will turn off. It is Louisville football 24-7 here. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to the show from the Pink Seats Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod. Grant, where can they follow you, and where can they check out your work, my friend? You can follow me at Grant underscore Mulligan underscore. It's where you'll get all my content, and I am writing for the one – the only state of louisville.com recruiting coverage i'm, I'm back it, I, in the words of jacob lane i am back out of my cave and i'm ready to to get back going again that's right man we, we brought him out with all the knowledge prepared for a full year out of hibernation of recruiting yeah, you should have seen him at the wedding we we're at man it's the first time i'd seen him in months and he came out scratching he's like vince it's good okay. to see you been, been been watching huddles for months you got any of those uh four-star tips man yeah. I know you've heard something. <laughs> source, bro. Source. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, as always, check out the U of L report. Matt McGavick, uh, as he covers Louisville sports year round, Louisville basketball, Louisville football, Louisville baseball, Louisville women's basketball, all of that covered on the site there. Follow him at Matt underscore McGavick, at Jacob Lane 08, at Vincent Lacoco. And we will catch you uh, here soon for the next episode of From the Pink Seeds podcast. But until then, go cards. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.